and I want you to hold your spot in the book of Revelation. Uh, Revelation uh, chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17. I want you to hold your spots there. I want to run over to Matthew, the 24th chapter, verse 13 and 14, right quick. It's good to see the Hill family made it back safe. Uh, this is craziness on the road. And I know that y'all witnessed and y'all share up. And if you didn't, then you were blessed indeed. The prayer even worked better than I thought. But in the book of Matthew, 24th chapter, verse 13 and verse 14, if you're there, would you please say amen? Amen. The Bible says, But he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved, the same one that endures until the end. Now, when I see that word endure, that means that it's going to be some trials, some tribulations, some hardships. That, that word endure encounters a lot of stuff, don't it? That, that alone lets you know that there's something behind the curtain that every once in a while going to present itself to us and it's going to cause us to be challenged by it. But the Bible says that he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And verse 14 tells us that and this gospel you see that word this do y'all Bible say this Yes. Yes. Everybody in the Bible say this. Yes. Not any gospel, but this one. Yes. The rock. This. Very important. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. In this gospel. But in the meantime, as this gospel is being this is being preached around the world to all nations, there is a state of endurance that we must take hold of and do our best to continue to keep hold of. In spite of all the things that come upon us to try to knock us out of the way, we have to remember who we belong to in Christ Jesus. I don't know how long uh, God would have me in Revelation. I guess at least two or three more times, at least a couple. But I can promise you that after God 
releases us from Revelation that he'll have your word. Because the book of Revelation is to, to, to enlighten us on what we have to be faced with and what we're going to have to endure. So God wants to present to us what it is that we're being faced with at this season in time. And then he's going to come back and he's going to give us a word that will protect us and guide us and keep us a word of refuge, a word of safety. So it's two things that God is going to do here. God is going to tell you. You remember last week we said he warned Remember that? He warns us by the ministers, by his word, by your conscience. And then after that, then he's going to instruct us in the way that we can receive refuge from all that coming upon us. And if it wasn't at the door, then he wouldn't be so urgently speaking. But it is nearly everything. There is an aggressive force that's trying to wipe out this society. There's an aggressive force trying to do it. Every way that we know about living is being undermined spiritual wickedness in high places. For real. And we as ministers of the gospel, we cannot afford to just tell the people that everything is going to be roses, you know, just to make them feel good and, and not prepare them so that everything can be roses when the time for the rose to bud. But there's going to be some thorns before the rose bud, right? There's going to be some things that we have to endure. We want to talk about the great heartache tonight. Revelation 17, chapter. is burdened by a lot of things. Death is all around us. Seems like one grave, one funeral after another. We went to another one today and then we got another one to go to. The Bible says, verse 17, or chapter 17, verse 1, I'll be there in the book of Revelation. Says that, and there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials, and he talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. If you recall, this past Sunday, we talked about the fact that there were seven seals. 
seven angels with trumpets, and we talked about the sounding of the first and the second, I mean the second and the third trumpet, remember? If you remember, say amen. If not, then I can understand. But we did speak about it. And it's in the hours of time that it's been spoken about. Now we're speaking about the seven vials of the wrath of God. And I told you that there are seven seeds, seven angels with trumpets, seven trumpets that has to be sounded, and seven angels with the vials of the wrath of God. And one of these angels that has the vials in verse 17, or chapter 17, verse 1, he came and he talked with John. The word John means grace. He talks to him. Now the angel means that there is a messenger that's coming from God. And no messenger is coming from God without a message from God. So God has given this angel a message. And he comes and he, he talks to John. And even while he's talking to John, he still got that vial of the wrath of God in his hand, even though he hasn't released it yet. But he comes to the man and he talks to him. And he says to the man, come hither. That means, come here. Don't have me. I, I can't come to you. Because where you are, you won't understand where I'm trying to take you. So you won't have to come hither. In other words, you've got to come up a little high. And he says that, come hither and I will show unto thee. Because the only way that you're going to see the judgment of the great whore is that you come hither. Not coming to you. You're going to have to come hither. I came to you, but now you're going to have to come my way. Like the preacher said today, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end result thereof is death. But then there is the way. And the way is the way of Jesus Christ. So we got a way that seemeth right. Every man has a way, right? But there is only one the way. Jesus said, I am not the a way, but I am the way. So he says, come hither and I will show thee the judgment of the great whore that sits on many waters. So whoever this great whore is, first of all, she's sitting on the blessings of the people. Y'all see the waters there? Whoever she is. Whoever she is, she's a prostitute. That means that she's a counterfeit. We're going to find out who she is because she is the false religious system that's in the world. Every country, every nation has a canopy of religion over it. I don't care where you go. Somebody believes in something. And more than likely, what they believe in, they're prostituted. Islam has prostituted it for extremism. Christianity has prostituted it for Christian dogs. 
Judaism has prostituted for the denial that Christ has come, the very one that the Old Testament is full of, of, of revelations about. So that Buddha, the Bhagavad, the Bhagavad Gita of India, all, all the different religions, it doesn't matter, every one of them has prostituted the truth about what their religion is supposed to be all about. So this great whore, this false religious system, it sits upon many waters because what it does is it kills the people and takes the people from their blessings. It sits on them, just like the darkness was over the deep. Darkness is over the deep. You can't see what your blessings are. It's the same way that the false religious system is setting on the blessing. Because if you ever find out what your blessings are, then they won't be able to sell and tell us anything. You know how they do. But look what God says. He talks about, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore. First Peter 4.17 says, look at it. First Peter 4.17. Now we're talking about judgment, right? Of the great whore. And we know that the whore is a false system of religion. Well, let's see what kind of judgment. Let's see, let's see what God is saying about this. First Peter 4.17. When you get there, please say amen. The Bible says, for the time is what? That means it's at right here. That judgment, ain't that what we were talking about? Didn't he say, I'm going to show you the judgment of the great whore that sits on many waters? He says here, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the what? Sound like the church to me. And if it first began at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel? Mm. And look at 18. For all of us that think that we got all this thing going on, I, 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 I want to I shake up our remembrance here about something. In verse 18 it says, And if the righteous scarcely be saved. Y'all see that? Question the ungodly and the sinner appear. That means that the righteous is scarcely saved, people. That means that this might not be as easy as we think it is. Right or wrong? When we, when we really look at the scripture, it looks to me like it's a little bit deeper than, Lord, I want you to come into my life and save me. It looks to me now that it's a little bit deeper than that when I search the scripture. Now, when I hear man, man can dress it up, make it sound real good. But when I look at the scripture, and I see, scarcely is a righteous man. That's a man that's doing right, it's saved. Then, then, then I don't need to even look at the ungodly and the sinner because, see, I'm saved by grace, so I'm covered. But even being saved by grace and covered, I still have to take note that it's the righteous scarcely be saved. See, I don't have to go no further. All I got to do is check myself out within that first sentence there, right? If the righteous, if, biggest word in the universe, if, 
the righteous scarcely be saved. Think about this. I said, okay, well, I see what the judgment's going to be. I see where it's going to be, too. I see where it's going to start. Well, I went on over back to Revelation. And I want us to look at verse 2 of chapter 17. Say amen when you get there, please. Amen. Now, look what has happened. So God wants to make some identification on some things here. He says in verse 2, With whom the kings of the what earth have committed fornication with? Who they commit fornication with? The great whore, right? The false religious system. Which presides over every nation. Okay. Let me make it clear, a little bit clear. Let's look at the white They say they're Christian. Don't they? Every one of them go to church. Every one of them. Don't. But when it comes time to their political livelihood, they pass laws that are injustice to God's laws, right? Do they not? They even make illegal legal in this country Amen. when they want to, Amen. like the border. But every time I've ever done something illegal, I went to jail for it. Amen. I've never gotten paid and patted on the back for doing illegality. I've always gone to prison for it. I have. That's why I don't understand that word illegal. They need to just drop that word. Amen. But I'm just saying, when it comes time, for certain things, we as human beings, we have to put God over here, right? Now, we all do that sometimes, don't we? Everybody in here do that sometime or another. Everybody does. Every human being breathing does it. I didn't say it was right. I just said that's the nature of man. It says, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk. Uh-huh, the inhabitants, that's the people of the earth, have been made drunk with the wine or the spirit of her fornication. <coughs> the mainstream church drunk with all kind of promises. But these promises that they're getting they're only getting one side of the promise. They're not getting what it takes to get the promise. So they got a bullet without a gun, or they got a gun without a bullet. And either way, you don't got nothing. You need them both. So, holiness is still a prerequisite to our blessings. It still is. It really is. So, we've been promised by this false religious system that God is a Santa Claus God, and if you give this, you'll get that. But the Lord said, present yourself as a living sacrifice unto God. 
He said, if you just ran fall, he'd get up again, but you got to keep getting up. Because many a times in a man's life, there's going to be some fault. Many a time. But you've got to be that endure to the end. That's the one. If the tree falls, you've got to crawl out from under the tree with a knotted head and somehow, some way, and pray that somebody around help you get up if your legs are broke. But the church, the inhabitants of the earth, have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Doesn't matter what religion it is. The inhabitants of it, of that area, have been made drunk from the wine of her fornication. In other words, the false religious system, what it has done is it has been more for itself than it has been for the people. You understand? Now look at verse 3. I'm going to slow cook this. I really want you to get it. No need to rush. We got eternity. Amen. We brought you for nothing. Sit down and rest a little while. Sit down and rest a little while. From now on, just rest. You know, learn how to rest even when everything's up and up, bro. Just, just peace be still. Yeah, God. So he carried me away, verse 3 says, in the spirit into the wilderness. Mm -hmm. See, you can't be carried away in the spirit unless you come here. Because he said, come here. And he took him to a place in the wilderness because he had never been to that place before where he was about to show up. See, the wilderness represents a place that you ain't never been in before. That thing got to be sought out. So he comes in and he carries John away. See, sometimes we got to be carried away from the place where we are. Mm -hmm. He carried him away. Yes, baby. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw, look what he saw, a woman. Uh-oh. Woman represents the church. But look where she's sitting. And the church always represents the inner sanctuary of your soul because when you get saved, you become the church. So it's got to be here first before it can be collected. Because all of our souls are joined together. If we're in Christ, right? We're one body. Right along. Now look. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, a place where there's been before, John. And I saw the woman, and look what she was doing. She was sitting upon a scarlet-colored beast. Wow. Full of the names of blasphemies, blasphemies, having seven heads and ten horns for your day. First of all, that word scarlet there means that she was sinful. The beast was sinful. Now, the church is sitting on top of the beast. The beast is the Antichrist system. That's the world system. The beast was full of sin. But look who was riding up. The church. That's why you got all this stuff in the church, all of these events and the steps 
and all of this, you know, all this stuff. Because, see, she's riding on top of the beast. There it is. But the beast got on his head all kind of blasphemy. He's got perfect rulership, seven heads, and he's unified because his power is unified. So he's got a perfect will, and he's in perfect unity with seven heads, ten horns. Going to break down the, the seven heads here in a minute. If not today, we'll do it the next session. But what I'm trying to get you to see right now is that this false religious system is full of blasphemy because going back to Washington, D.C., they say they're Christians, right? But look at the laws they have. See? You understand what I'm saying? See? They she, say that they're Christians, that they're saved, but they're riding their feet and they're, and they're making laws that two men can get married or two women can get married. You understand what I'm trying to say? What's going on here? All kinds of things are going on. And for the sake of money, they don't make the corporations do what they need to do to keep from killing us. So they look the other way. Well, that's that woman, that false religious system saying, yeah, we're Christian, but, and sitting on top of that world order with them homes. You understand the mixture here, what this world is saying? That's, that's, why, that's why she's sitting on this sinful beast. See, Christianity is not Christianity, it's Christian though. It was turned into Christendom in 323 AD by Constantine, the first church father of the Catholic society. That's why you got all this mess up in the church now. All these things are instituted. Because it's not the pure thing. But it was galvanized and it was polluted so that people could bring in their pagan worship into the church so that the church would grow and gain power and money in the world. One of the most populous establishments in the world is the Catholic Church. You've got to understand that. I want you to see something. And the woman, look what she was arrayed in, verse 4. She was arrayed in purple, that's the color of the priesthood. Scarlet color, that's the color of the priesthood too, red. Even though it's sinful, it represents sin, but it's still, it's still in the context of the priesthood. And get with gold and precious stones and pearls, see all that is the priesthood, people. All you got to do is go back in the Old Testament and you see it all. Having a golden cup. Gold always represents purity of the spirit. That's why Jesus was given gold. One of the presents was gold because he was pure in spirit. One was mirror because mirror represents he was pure in the flesh. And one was frankincense because he was pure in the soul. 
She had this golden cup in her hand and it was full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Talking about the false religious. And upon her forehead was a name written, mystery, which means secret. Babylon the Great is what she is. Babylon means confusion. She confuses folk. And she is the mother of harlots and abomination of the earth. Boy, that's strong. Talk about the false church. That's strong now. You got the Catholic Church over here. And, and, and they are incubated for perverts. And won't nobody do nothing about it. But they molest the little boys and turning them out to become like this. Is that not spiritual wickedness in high places? Amen. Is that not false religion when you say you're about Christ, but you're doing this? Amen. I mean, that, that, that's astronomical there. It's one thing to take on your own sin, but it's another time when you're doing it to the poor and the defense of you. Well, let's take Israel off over here. They take it, they convert it, and they strap on a bomb and kill innocent people, same thing. Spiritual wickedness in high places, same thing. It's not right. And it's false teaching from that book because Islam, the Holy Quran, comes from the first five books of Moses, which is the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers, all of them, number five. So it ain't like they don't know truth, it's what they do with truth. So, verse 6, say that. And I saw, mm -hmm, saw, couldn't see until he took him to the wilderness, right? And I saw the woman, look what she was, drunken with what? The blood of a saint. My God. See what's happening? Trying to wake you up. See what's going on? And the blood of the martyrs of Jesus Christ. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Y'all say you can hear. When I went in the spirit, when I was carried away in the spirit, in the to a place I've never been before. And the curtain came up. And I saw her sitting on this beach with these seven heads and ten horns. See, something started out in the garden as a serpent. But in Revelation, it became a seven-headed full-grown guy. Well, that's gross. And that's common. You imagine this man seeing that? But the word of God says here that he wondered with great admiration. I know he did. Now I'm going to give you some understanding. Look at verse 9. Are we there? Yeah. And here is the mind which has what? 
In the book of Revelation, at least twice, it speaks about let him that has with count the numbers and Christ. Here it's talking about let him that has the mind of wisdom. Not just any wisdom. James talks about two kinds of wisdom. Book of James. Earthly wisdom, which is sensual, devilish, carnal. And then there's this wisdom from above, this heavenly wisdom, which is peaceable and pure. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed be the peacemakers. You know the difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker? You would think on the top that they're the same with but they're not. A peacekeeper is somebody that don't make no way. They just want everything to go all right. But a peacemaker is somebody that will confront the situation and put the house back in order. That's the difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. You see, the Bible didn't say blessed are the peacekeepers. The Bible said blessed are the peacemakers. Make for they shall be called the sons of God. See, sometimes things got to be tore up before you can fix it up. Didn't Jesus go inside twice in the beginning of his career and at the end before he died? He went in the temple twice. Most people think he just went once, but if you read the scripture, he went twice. And he cleaned it out. That means that you can go in, you can clean it out, and it won't be long. Let's try it again if you've got to clean it out again. So he did that twice. He's a peacemaker. Mm -hmm. Verse 9 says, And here is the mind which has wisdom. Got to have wisdom. The right time. The seven heads, or seven mountains, on which, on which the woman sitteth. Here is your mind prison, people. Seven hands, right? And she's doing what? Sitting where? She's sitting on these heads, right? On these mountains. She sat over every one of them. All right? Let's see what she's talking about here. Here's what we got. We've got the first world order. There will be seven of them before the Antichrist comes. Because we're going down through there in our service up in here a minute to be able. The first one is Egypt. Egypt was the first world power that had a religious, false religion over it. They dealt in magic. They dealt in raw. Raw is a the, the God, you know, one of the gods. They had all kinds of gods, you know. But the seven heads law, the seven world powers that had ruled over Israel, which we are. Now Christ is coming. Israel. The first one is Egypt. Didn't Egypt rule And that false religion ruled over them too because she was sitting on, over that world law. The next one was Assyria. Okay? That's number two. 
Some 63 years after Christ died, okay? He was on the Isle of Patmos. Rome was still under the authority. They were still in, in, in control, okay? Are you following? Yeah. Now, look what verse 10 says. And there are how many kings? Seven. Seven. Five or what? Five. Oh, let's count them. Egypt had fallen. Assyria had fallen. Babylon has fallen, meaning Persia has fallen, Greece has fallen, Rome was in. So five of them have fallen, right? Because Rome makes the sixth. Are you with me? Okay. Now look what else. And one is, that's Rome, okay? Because Rome was in during the time that this was written, okay? It was still in effect. And the other is not yet come because after Rome failed, then all these other nations around the world began going toward that one world order. It's been in effect for centuries. And we're closer now than we've ever been. Because it's not going to be long before the dollar bill is not going to be the controlling dollar in the world. They just talked about that the other day. Now, and when he cometh, he must continue a short space. That's us, this order that we're in now. Verse 11 says, And the beast that was and is not, even he is the what? Because out of this one world order now, the Antichrist is going to rise. He's going to be eight. Okay? You got it? Yeah. And is of the what? Yeah. Didn't I say he was going to come out of what's now? Yeah. And he's going to go up into perdition too. And verse 12 says, And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, meaning that there's going to be unity in what they do. Alright? Pay attention to the ten horns. They're the ten kings, okay? Alright? Now the ten horns are on the beast, right? They are they which have received no kingdom as yet. 
They ain't received no real power yet. But they're going to receive power as kings for one hour, which is a season, with the beast. Okay? You see, we're out of time now. Y'all been listening to the... You remember they started out with the G4 and then they came with the G6 and then the G8 and now they're up to the G20? See, that, that, that's that world order formulated. That's it formulated, see? And what's going to happen is this world order is going to give that little bit of power to the Ten Kings, which the Ten Kings represents unity. There's going to be one world order. It represents unity, okay? But it's only going to last for a little while. See, what's happening is if, if they're scrambling, folk, the world is on the brink of bankruptcy. And they're scrambling, trying to figure out what can we do. So now they're being forced to pull together. Even when they don't want to, they're being forced to. Because if they, they got sense enough to know that if we don't pull together, all of us going to go down. Verse 12 says, And the ten horns which thou sawest, the ten kings which have not received power yet, or received no kingdom as yet, but received with power as kings, one hour with the beast. Now look at verse 13. These have what kind of mind? mind. Unity. And shall give their power and strength unto who? The, the one world order. And shall make war with who? Us and the Lord. They're going to say, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are what? With, with him are not only called, chosen. they are not only chosen. Oh my God. You got to be called, chosen, and faithful to this thing. All right? That's what I'm talking about. Now, now, now I'm going to tell y'all something right now. Sometimes I get hot with y'all, sometimes y'all get hot with me. But one thing I know about y'all, y'all stick together. Y'all don't to stick together. You be here. You be here. Nobody will give you hot or not. You be here. Call chosen faith. It's what it's going to take. Right? Well, you go home, you get hot with each other. You don't kill each other anymore. Well, people are feeling right. It's okay. It's just normal. You work through it. But the thing is, is what I want us to see is that we're called, chosen, and faithful. Don't look to me like being called can do us much good. And don't look to me like being chosen can either. Unless the third part of that thing is involved. Faith. It don't look to me like it. Don't look to me, don't look to me like them other two were for him being called. So what? Chosen. Big deal. But are you faithful? Because that's what God is looking at. See, God ain't looking at your perfection. Bro. If he figured you were going to be perfect, he would have sent Christ no way. Amen. But he, he, that's right. Hallelujah. 
But he is looking for our faithfulness. That's all he wants. See, we look at each other, want each other to be perfect until we grow up and mature in this thing. And then, you know, in time, you know, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll mature to the point where we don't even go that way. You know, it's all a growth thing. But the, the point that I'm trying to make is how good God is to us. And how easy it is on our soul when we do mature to the fact of letting God be good and we be served. It makes life easier. I have people call me all the time, man. You know. With bad problems. And I be sitting there and I say, oh God, they take hold of me. I say, man, I'm insane. You see? Yeah, but I need you to pray for me. Yeah, but I say, pray. Somebody needs some prayer and they come to you and you pray and they got a situation and they're sick or whatever, you know, and they come to the elders of the church and you pray, you know, you're supposed to do it. That's all, you know, so do it. Then they call back and they say, I'm so glad you prayed for me. Well, you know what? In me praying for them, I got better. Amen. Mm-hmm. Because I'm sitting there wanting to blow my head off too. Amen. Yeah, and I got another on the other end wanting to do it. From out of the state or, or down on the lower part of the state, they call them all over the place. You never know when they're gonna call you. But when they call me, I mean, you know, you, hey, let's talk. Hour go by, they still talking. Two hours, they still talking. I ain't gonna lie to you. I've been wanting to get on the phone by then. I ain't got much more I can say after two hours. But they need me at that time. Amen. So you just can't shut them off. Amen. You know. And then they'll come back. And then they'll say, thank you. You know what I'm saying? Amen. So you don't know whether you just saved somebody's life or what. You don't know what the situation is. You know? But all you know is that there's a healing for you in it too. Amen. And thank God for healing. Because ain't nobody wanting it. Man, look, I got some folk now going through some things. And I feel for them, man, you know. And I'm there, and I call them, and they call, and they, we talk, we talk, we talk. But sometimes all I can do is be there to comfort and not say too much. Amen. Just let God do it. You know. But I feel empathetically the pain and the suffering. Because I've been there. Amen. You know. I've been there. Saying that verse 15 says that. And he... Saith unto me, the waters which thou saw, that's the angel talking to John. He said, Look at where the horse sit. Look what's sitting on the waters, right? Uh -huh. Who are those waters? And multitude and nations and tongues. See what you're doing? That false religious system is sitting over the lives of the people. And not only that, but when you take it to the spirit realm, waters represent blessing. So that means that it's sitting on our blessing too. The folk that's under it, they blessings are being sat on. In other words, they're giving out more than they give me. Why? Because of the false way of doing it. The false way of doing it. There are ramifications behind this whole thing. 
When you release something, what kind of spirit are you releasing it out with? Because whatever you release, it goes with the spirit. You know, case in point, a person can pay time all day long, but if when they're doing it, they're doing it grudgingly, then they just killed it. They killed it blessing. You see? So whatever we do, when we do do it, we have to do it with the right spirit. In other words, we got to know we're doing what's right when it comes to certain things now. You know, we, we, we can't, we can't, you know, remember there is a way that seems right unto a man, a way. And then there's the way. Now, like the preacher said, and I'm going to reiterate it, every man got a way. <laughs> I mean, I've got a way when I want to get my way. But is it the way? Most likely it's not. That's what makes you hot. Amen. Amen. Huh? Well, let's fess up. Am I the only one? Verse 16 says, And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, watch what they're going to do. These shall do what? Hate the horns. Now let's look over here on verse 3. So he carried me away and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast. See, she's sitting on that beast. And that thing had them ten horns. Seven head, ten horns. with them black, black ones. Right? So you got the beast. You got the, the horns. You know. And then you got the old sack sitting on top of it. Right? But now the beast is okay with the horse sitting up there. But them horns ain't okay with us. No, they ain't all right with that now. Look at the word. It says, And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall what do? Hate. The who? And shall make her what? They're going to break that false religion. They're going to break that. And naked, they go, uh-huh. And shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. That's what them ten horns going to do. They're going to turn on them. That's right. Mm-hmm. They're going to turn on them. See, a whole lot of these ministries that are out doing their own thing and getting money in from everywhere, that money is going to start slowing up. Because the horns are going to get angry about, because they know she's no, you know, a radical girl. You know, they know that. They know she's what? Promiscuous, that's the word. She's a little loose. And they know that. And what she's doing is, is that she's being lavish. She, she's taking from the horns. You know, those little kings that had that little power? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They said, oh, we're going to stop this. We're going to kill this. Right now, those horns are trying to take the tax exempt status from the church. Right. Did y'all hear what I'm saying? That's right. That's right. So, got about one more scripture, two more, verse 17 and 18. He said, For God had put in their heart. Who did? God did. Put in their hearts to fulfill whose will? Yes, Ooh, ain't that something? How God can you do? 
we. So God can do what he wants to, can he? Amen. God said, I'm going to use them to fulfill my will. Yeah, but them horns, man. I don't care what they are. I'm going to use them. And to agree and give that kingdom unto the beast until the word of God should be fulfilled. And the last verse that I got here, I'm close. Bring them to come up and pray. And the women and the woman which thou saw is that great city. That means that she got, a, that's a great encounter. Which reigneth over the kings of the earth. This great city is a great influence over mankind. And not only that, but she reigneth over the kings of the earth. Remember I told you they the Christians up there in the White House? But when it comes time to choose between the right and the wrong for the sake of righteousness or for the sake of man, see, see, that's what Jesus said. You can't serve two masters. You can't do it. It's just impossible. You know, so when the hard choices come, they can't make the hard choices. And the reason they can't make the hard choices is because, see, they caught up between two straights. You know, well, my constituents, what they going to say? Well, when you go to worry about constituents, you don't mess up anyway. You don't mess up anyway. You don't mess up. You can't worry about your constituents. So what happens is, is that the woman, she is a great influence. And not only that, but the people, the nations, the multitudes and all of that, the tongues, they've had a great encounter with her. Have not false religion, or have, have not the people had a great encounter with mainstream religion? Amen. This association, that association. This, I talked to a, a brother today, grew up with all of that, got a church family and something. And uh, he asked me a question. I read people pretty good. I told him I'm up here in Spartanburg. He said, well, yeah. I gave him a card. And he said, you know Snotty? I said, I met Snotty a couple times. I don't know of him. Uh, I don't know him. I met him a couple times. Uh, you know. Yeah, he had something he did. You know. I don't know, man. Well, that kind of offended him. I read it. That kind of offended him, see? Because, see, what happens is, is that I can't sit there and say I know somebody and I don't know. You know, because it's going to make me look like a bigger fool than I already look like. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm serious. You know? So at some point, ain't no need of me trying to forget. I know him. I met him a couple of times, but but I didn't give him no influence that I deal in these associations and stuff because I don't. Amen. I don't deal in associations and, 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 and nominations and stuff like that. Because that's that stuff that's reigning over these kings of the earth, and that's that great encounter that, he, that the people has had, and they can't break free from it. So God is telling us that he wants us to understand that judgment starts in the house of the Lord first. Amen. 
And if the scarce, scarcely if the righteous are saved, where are we going? Where are the sinner and the ungodly? Where, where are they coming in? So, Brenda, I want you to come on up right now and y'all bless the word and bless each other. And...